The following podcast is an audio version of a live show that takes place daily on Crowdcast. To join our live audience, visit our Crowdcast website at crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. That's crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. And we are live. You've never said it, it that way before. No, I'm trying to vary it up now. We are 544 <laughs> episodes in, and I've said it the same way too many times. I'm going to start making changes. Great. It's <laughs> Thursday, November 4th, 2021, one day before Guy Fawkes Day. At this time tomorrow, there will be bonfires all over the United Kingdom. Uh, In honor of Ben's birthday. Uh, uh, no, not a single one of them will be in honor of my birthday. They will all be in honor of the one holiday in the world dedicated to the failure of non-state actors to take down uh, uh, state power. Um, the British Parliament stands to this day. Uh, it is 5.02 p.m. And we are talking about... Uh, uh, here to talk about Igor Danchenko, uh, the latest uh, 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 indictee of the John Durham investigation. We are not allowed to have fun anymore, but Igor Danchenko is really not allowed to have fun anymore. He's been indicted for five incidents of false statements, as best as I can tell, three or four of which are the same false statement. Um, as far uh, as we know. I'm just gonna like just I'm just gonna do weird winking and dropping in things to add doubt to like whatever certainty that you say, and I'm just going to do that throughout this entire show. Um, All right, that's what Kate is gonna do. Yeah, we are not allowed to have fun anymore, but we are allowed to have Pete Struck. Why does who, he still hang out with us? <laughs> I don't know. It's like he's the dog shirt. At this point. The dog shirts are truly pushing the uh, the envelope of my. So, so, so wait, are you, uh, Pete, is it is the rumor that I hear that you're going to be on Rachel Maddow's show later this evening? Is I don't true? know. I don't know if that's true or not. There, there is a rumor, is, but I don't know. If it is true, it will be the first time, I think, that somebody has ever done in lieu of fun and then slummed it with Rachel Maddow the same day. Um, <laughs> and with that sort of lead up the last time, if it does. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, Igor Danchenko. Um, let's start for those who have not read the indictment or read the news coverage. Uh, Pete, who is he and what is he accused of? Well, so he was identified uh, in this reporting and earlier through various declassifications of U.S. government documents as a primary subsource of Christopher Steele, who was a. And what does that mean? What it like? So sources calls him the primary and, and subsource, because everybody ever though it's one word. But what is a primary subsource? So, so when I when I say source, I want to say a couple of things. One, a source is. A source could be anybody that the FBI receives information from. It could be somebody on kind of the far end of the spectrum, a confidential human source, somebody who's recruited. They're doing responsive to FBI tasking. They're on the books. You know, they're frequently paid or, you know, there's a formal sort of process. But that is the one edge of when I say the word source of the FBI, that's a really broad category of people. It can be somebody who walks in a document to a complaint desk, somebody who calls in, somebody who sends in an email tip, your mother, a newspaper article, a an attorney going to visit the general counsel of the FBI to provide information. When I say source, I mean all of that. And that doesn't, when I'm saying source, I don't mean somebody who is on the books. Because typically a source on the books is in the national security context classified, certainly in the criminal context, law enforcement sensitive, and we don't talk about it because that's part of what we assure people if they do enter into a confidential human source relationship with it, with us, that we'll keep that secret unless the Donald Trump administration comes along and under, you know, DNI Ratcliffe and any number of people with the, with the, with the uh, uh, agreement of AG Barr and others simply declassify a whole raft of not only source identifiers, 
confidential human source identifiers, but release transcripts uh, recorded by confidential human sources that allow for their identification and otherwise generally do a horrible chilling job of uh, on our ability to recruit people. So through this whole process of the IG report, the aftermath, uh, Christopher Steele was identified as a FBI confidential human source going back for some time, who is providing information to the FBI on a variety of topics, including what is commonly now known as the dossier, which was a collection of reports that he had assembled and provided to the FBI um, in, in the July 2016 timeframe to the agent who was his handler. They eventually came to the team working the Russia investigations in September of 2016. As it turns out, you know, these are written and appear in a way that you see, they look like raw intelligence reporting of a certain type. And um, Steele was previously employed by a, from the foreign government. I don't think the specific government or the agency within that government had been uh, declassified, although it's certainly been widely speculated about. Um, I have a, and I have as a quick question. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. So um, just because I am um, not, I have not been following this at all. Surprise, surprise. Um, when it comes to anything national security related. Um, but so wait, the Steele dossier. So Christopher Steele was a confidential informant to the U.S. Yes. To the FBI. To the, the FBI. FBI. I don't. I right, and I don't. I, I don't. I don't want to say anything beyond but his why, relationship to the but FBI. Why confirming or denying with the FBI and not the CIA? Um, any number of reasons. I mean, depending on the information somebody has, if they're providing information, say, on a criminal matter, um, I think it has. Oh, been I mean, in... yeah, I guess I just mean like if if all of the stuff that he was dumping on was Russian and seemed like he was employed by yeah, a foreign. Yeah, but it started, it started, and I think things have, have been declassified that, you know, he had provided some, as, as we understood it at the time, had provided some information on corruption within FIFA now what that actually turned out to be is a matter of some dispute, you know, what we understood at the beginning versus what that actually amounted to. But the point being that in the course of his professional work after leaving government service, as he came across information, um, he was, would on occasion provide that to the FBI. And he did, you know, my understanding is when he came to the FBI with this reporting about Russian contacts, particularly on and related to the Trump campaign, he was doing that for work on another client on behalf of another client was concerned about it and came and sort of with his own accord provided it to the fbi so there are a variety of reports you know the, a lot of them some salacious you know the most kind of famous in public awareness is the allegations that there's a you know some sort of p tape or at least that you know trump had gotten the presidential suite at a hotel in moscow and either hired prostitutes or got women to you know, engage in golden showers to somehow, you know, stick it to Obama because Obama had stayed there. That was the most salacious, but kind of the least relevant of what the allegations were that were. In says there. you. But Sorry. Anyway. Says, <laughs> says, yeah, no. But I mean, that's part of the problem, too, because, I mean, that was a lot of the things steel, the steel material. And then it was promptly, you know, we had it, but it was all around town. John McCain had it. Other congressmen and senators had it. The media had it. It was all over the place, and because it was, it became public very quickly, and it seized the public imagination in the sense of it presented a story of what collusion might look like. And the unfortunate part was lost in that was any sort of nuance of this is one way things might exist, but there are a thousand other ways, many more likely, that problematic counterintelligence behavior might exist. But everybody was focused on the dossier, and then it became almost this sort of like dispositive test. You know, did these things occur? And if so, it's horrible. And if they didn't, well, then Trump must be innocent and there must be no wrongdoing. And within those reports, there are a variety, when you read them, they're sourced to a variety of people, you know, source A, source B, source C, and variously described as, you know, government employees or hotel employees or whatever the case may be. What we came, and so what the Bureau did is the Bureau frequently does when you get information, you try and dig down and figure out, okay, who are these sources of information? 
what is the basis of their knowledge? Who are the sources of information that Steele is channeling in the dossier? Right. Yes. Yes. And so when he says source A said he overheard a conversation, well, okay, who is source A? Is this somebody who like works in a government ministry and pulled out a documentary file that had that information? Is source A somebody who is a gossip peddler? Is source A somebody who's actually a conduit for Russian disinformation? I mean, these were all things that were in our mind. And part of the reason the FBI spent in my a lot, in my opinion, maybe too much, but spent a lot of time trying to track down all the information within Steele's reporting. So on the one hand, who are these people that are reporting this? Two, whether or not this information is accurate. And then three, the ultimate goal, of course, is to figure out, okay, not only is the information in the reporting reliable, but can these people give us more? Because they they hint or provide some information about allegations, but you really want to get behind that and say, okay, if it is accurate, then tell me more, or give me more information, because this is, it's it's not not that it's nebulous, but it is something that points to potentially allegedly much bigger problems. And again, this happens all the time. All the time, sources walk in with information that you don't just inevitably you don't know what it is. You don't know why a source is telling you that. You don't know if they're lying to you. You don't know if they're being, you know, wittingly or unwittingly played by a foreign government, by some bad actor. And so the process of intelligence collection and analysis does this sort of thing all the time. And there are all kinds of armchair, you know, CI experts that have been created over the past three or four years, either on the Twitter or on Congress or like, this is some great revelation that this could have been Russian disinformation. Well, fucking right. shit. Right. We deal with that every single day for the past 40 years. I will say and it's so, not so you know, different it's not, than like it's when this... a source comes to you as like a journalist out of nowhere or like whatever. Or like when and, Correct. Right? Or like anything. Like it's like everyone always has like some fucking agenda. Like, right? <laughs> as I as I told as I told Pete's class the other day, uh uh there are no two professions uh, more similar than the intelligence community and the journalistic community, and neither of them recognize it. So, so Igor Danchenko, right, and the primary right, and so, so source and the, of Chris Steele, and thus the su- the subsource of the FBI. Right, and so as the FBI starts digging into Steele's material, it figures we figure out a couple of things. One. A lot of this information, it isn't the kind of structure where Steele is sitting on top and has many lines to different sources. It increasingly becomes apparent that Steele has a line to Danchenko, and then Danchenko has a variety of sources. Again, this isn't. Can we just call him Igor, because like we can call him Igor. We can call him whatever you want. And so again, not unusual. It is hard for an FBI agent or CIA officer to run a source or series of sources in Iran or Russia or the PRC. Frequently, you'll find it. So you have like somebody who travels into Iran or the PRC or Russia or wherever, and then they're going in and they're talking to different people. So again, this construct of, you know, instead of a guy at the top with many lines to somebody relying on it is not unusual. I think it was a bit, as we came to understand it, a bit surprising that we didn't understand that there's this heavily heavy reliance on Danchenko. Um, but then what you see too is that then Danchenko as you know a primary subsource has himself subsources. And then that, you know, the same question, but it's like, all right, well, this is a little more removed. This is not, you know, initially what we, you know, our understanding of the material from steel you know, there's an additional player in here. So we try and figure out who Dan Chinko is. And as you see in the indictment, I think the I counted them up. The indictment lays out at least um, seven interviews. The first one identified as January 24th of 2017 and the last November 16th of 2017. Um, again, as I teach my class that been alluded to, if you actually go through an, an indictment and read it with rigor and set up a timeline and put little data points about every single event that they talk about, you can get an extraordinary amount of information about what was known when. And they talk about, you know, the first January 24th and 25th, he talked to the FBI in a FBI facility in Washington, DC, whereas, you know, later in, in March or May or whenever it was, he was talking to EVA. So you can get a lot of information. But at the end of the day, what the indictment alleges is there were and I agree with Ben, substantively two false statements. They make that into five charges, but there's one 
that he denied having contact with somebody who's identified as a U.S. Um, public relations executive, or I forget the exact term, and that two, that he then on a series of occasions lied about inter his interactions with an individual who also isn't named. Both of these folks have been accurately speculated about online, but the second person that he lied when he said he had had contact with this person, and he in fact attributed information to this person that was not from them. And then he, having said that lie, he kind of sticks to it three more times, and Durham makes that into four counts of a false statement, which there are four had. separate counts. Five. Yes. Five. Well, one that five. he lied. One, one that he lied about his times. lie about the PR executive. Four about the same lie, essentially about the Got chamber, it. Russian chamber of commerce guy. Now, what's interesting about that is I cannot tell you both personally and agents I've supervised any number of, you know, kind of conversations with AUSAs when you're like, yeah, well, the guy keeps lying about it. They're like, look, that's one lie. That's one false statement. That is 1001 count. Even if they like, you know, told a lie, they stick to it. They keep telling you the lie. You're not doing things. You're doing things because it, again, that, that there is, I think probably some prosecutorial discretion there, but uh, we can, we can talk to, you know, kind of the reasons why that bothers me a little bit later on, but that's essentially a too long-winded explanation of no, not long-winded okay. at all. Oh, and, and one more thing, and one more thing. Let's distill it for a second. Mm -hmm. Igor Danchenko, primary source of Chris Steele—that is the person who actually gathers the information that appears in the the famed Steele dossier. Who is himself the source to the FBI? Mm. Steele is the source to the FBI. The Steele dossier is, of course, the famed Steele dossier. Uh, we'll go into that in a minute. Uh, this guy is accused of lying to the FBI about how he gathered the information on five different occasions and two different subjects. Is that a fair? Yes. And yep. to just to nail it down a little bit more precisely, both lies are designed are allegedly designed to make it seem like he has developed information himself, whereas in fact, John Durham alleges, he's merely recycling garbage that a PR exec gave him. Well, develop, develop from other sources. Not, yes, he exactly. He himself developed from different sources, not a PR executive. As in, and in as fact, in, in fact Durham not... alleges He's just recycling bullshit that some PR executive gave him and he's dressing it up as something that he didn't get from that PR executive. Right. And regardless of whether or not it's bullshit, I think I, I would say, I mean, look, reading this in my mind, it is if these allegations are true, these are legitimate criminal charges. Wait, it's reading indictment, the indictment? Yeah. Reading the indictment, this okay. indictment. And comparing it to the indictment of Sussman, this indictment of Jan Chinko strikes wait, me as wait, much wait, more. Wait, 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 okay, wait, 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 wait. I want to come to that okay. in a minute. Okay, okay. I want to want to set up the conversation a little more before mm -hmm. we do. So here I have to make a disclosure, um, and it's uh, relevant to the point that Pete is going to make. The indictment alleges, uh, and it has been reported in uh, various newspapers that Igor Danchenko was once a, an employee of the Brookings Institution. Um, uh, the uh, New York Times ran a story some months back that the Brookings Institution received a subpoena in connection with this investigation. Um, uh, so Danchenko uh, worked for the Brookings Institution something like a decade ago. Uh, and uh, to my knowledge, I have never met him. Um, and I was there at the time, um, but, and it's certainly possible that we, you know, said hello in the cafeteria or something, you know, you run into people, but I am, if I know, if I've ever met Igor Denchenko, I'm certainly unaware of it. Um, and despite what one may hear in certain corners of the right-wing uh, uh, media ecosystem, uh, I have literally nothing to do with any of the events in question. I learned about the Steele dossier uh, roughly around the time uh, uh, I was, as, as Susan Hennessy and I wrote at the time, uh, 
that it was released. We were given the steel, a copy of the steel dossier in advance of its release um, uh, because we were asked what we made of it. Um, we assessed it. Uh, we did not publish it, and I played no role in uh, so significant promotion of it. It's never been something that I particularly believed was all that significant. Um, and so uh, I need to make that disclosure before we go on. Let's now go on. Um, I read this indictment expecting to say, this is another John Durham, Sussman-like situation where I, th I think the indictment is sort of outrageous on its face. I did not react that way. I looked at it and said, wait a minute, if these allegations are true, this is, it may be a little bit overcharged, but it's basically a righteous case. This is somebody who shows up, lies to the FBI about his, uh, you know, and creates a lot of work for you guys and eventually the Mueller investigation in a needless work, frankly, in, in identifying where information did and didn't really come from. And if I were John Durham and these facts were true, and again, let's assume for a minute that these are, um, are, provable allegations, and of course, uh, Mr. Danchenko is innocent till proven guilty, I would have brought this case. What, what, what do you think? Do, do you look at this and say, this is a Sussman-like situation, or do you kind of agree with me about it? No, I agree with you. I, I think reading this again, if these are true, I see that you know these were clearly false statements. They were material. And look, I it, it's materiality, the way the courts have interpreted that is very, very favorable to the government. And what that means is, you know, uh, for, it, it isn't enough to lie. It has to have the ability not only to, it isn't just that it would change the government's behavior. I forget the exact wording, but it has the potential to change it. And courts have interpreted that very favorably to the government. And then you can make, you know, materiality arguments on the part of a government attorney are very uh, easy to make in some ways. Even in that context, I had an issue with the materiality with the in the Sussman false statement. I don't have that here with Danchenko. I mean, clearly, they have, we were spending a lot of resources trying to get to the bottom of who the subsources were, trying to figure out what information they might have. And so these false statements did make a difference, did consume FBI resources, did prevent us from either doing things one way or the other that we might have otherwise not done. Now, the irony and what aggravates me to no end is that kind of consistent reading of materiality got thrown out the window when it came to Mike Flynn, where you had everybody from Bill Barr to career prosecutors in the District of Columbia saying his lies weren't material at all. Well, bullshit. His lies were a hundred times more material than anything Danchenko is alleged to have done here. And for them to sit there and argue in court before a district judge that they were immaterial, and that's why, you know, one of the reasons why they're pulling out of uh, his, his, uh, his charges and his sentencing at the time, um, strikes me that's one of the greatest miscarriages of justice in the in the Trump administration, as far as I'm concerned. What I would say about this indictment, it's 39 pages long. And if you look and you go through and you say, of those 39 pages, how many relate to the specific false statements that Danchenko is alleged to have made? It's a small subset of that. You have a lot of atmospherics in there. You have things in there talking about Hillary Clinton. You have things in there talking about the Democratic Party, you have things in there talking about PR Executive One and his past relationship with the, you know, the Democratic Party and the Clintons. Now, is that important to understand that his motivations matter? Yes. Is it necessary to consume over half of your indictment when you're facing criticism that you're a partisan actor and you might really maybe want to try and present an objective face to the products coming out of your investigation so that the 65% of the population who looks at you maybe as a political actor set up by Bill Barr that you might not want to play into that, in my opinion, that's something you maybe want to consider. And they do things, you know, I was reading it saying, you know, paragraph seven, over time, the FBI attempted to investigate VET and analyze the company reports, but ultimately was not able to confirm or corroborate most of their substantive allegations. That's absolutely true. You know what else is absolutely true? We couldn't disprove most of the substantive allegations. Is that relevant to an objective reader? Yes. 
if you write things like that that way, does it lead an objective observer to question your motivations and the way you're writing it? In my opinion, yeah, of course it does. So I've got a little bit of an issue continuing with the way the sort of this agenda behind the actual charges, which appears to be going on, and the way that plays into, you know, the frothy partisans on both sides of trying to define not Danchenko, not Sussman, but using that to try and make this a sort of judgment about the entire Russia investigations and the entire Special Counsel Mueller uh, prosecutions, because that that's that's what's really going on behind the scenes there. This is, you know, Danchenko did wrong, allegedly, in my opinion, deserves to be charged, deserves to be prosecuted. But the rest of this surrounding froth is designed to inform that other debate that's going on, and in my opinion, is, is unprofessional and uncalled for. Okay, so, so let's break that down for a minute, because I think you're making two points here. One is that there, uh, there is a, a separate agenda here, and I want to come to that second, because I think that's the more controversial point that you're making. Um, uh, and I think the more interesting one. But the first one is uh, that, you know, that there's a lot of unnecessary verbiage in here. And that was, that was truer in the Sussman case, where the entire body of the indictment was unnecessary verbiage designed to describe something. So when you put together the unnecessary verbiage of the Sussman indictment and the unnecessary verbiage in this indictment, what is the story that John Durham is trying to tell? I think he's trying to point to a broader pattern of activity that people in or related to the Clinton campaign were engaged in a pattern of activity to dredge up information, oppo research, whatever you want to call it, and we're feeding that and providing that to the government, you know, not only the FBI, but other players. And that this wasn't just a one-off exercise, that there were multiple attempts, whether it was through Sussman and the Alpha Bank material, whether it was material that, you know, a company like Fusion GPS, who had been hired by Perkins Coie, who was employing Steele at some point in time to gather this information, that there are all these things that were being fed into the government and were and I think his theory of the case were being done so corruptly. And I don't quite, I, it, it's dirty and it's messy, but it's what political campaigns do. And it's certainly not new to the 2016 presidential election. And it's certainly not exclusive to the Democrats. I mean, you had Peter Schweitzer's book, Clinton Cash, that was being passed around the halls of FBI headquarters. I mean, this is, this is the nature of political campaigns, one. And two, you know, everybody looks at oppo research like the word of the devil. Well, usually it's unverified information that is sometimes correct or might be exaggerated. But, you know, at the end of the day, the best point I think that Durham could make is if the FBI had full information about the provenance of this information, they might have treated it differently and seen, been more skeptical broadly about the information that was coming in. But I don't think. Alpha, the Alpha Bank stuff didn't go anywhere. The FBI looked at it and said, this doesn't, it's anomalous. So that's not a lie. But we don't think it's, you know, we don't think it's nefarious activity. Could have been made up. Who knows? They looked at, we looked at the steel information and said, I can't make heads or tails of this. Can't refute it. Can't corroborate it. But at the end of the day, that was, it mattered to Carter Page. It mattered to Carter Page's FISA. But it didn't matter to George Papadopoulos, or Mike Flynn, or Paul Manafort. Yeah. Or, so wait, let's talk. Let's talk all, about that. All for of a this minute. other stuff because... that was really the the, the 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 main thrust of the investigations. Okay. So so let's let's talk about that for a minute because I think that's a one of the themes going around among on the right, and you see this all over the place as Durham has developed this material, is that this constitutes sort of the Russia investigation imploding. And so I'm interested, and you and I, I've, I've written about this and you've spoken about it, that that's actually quite wrong. Um, and that this is really one corner 
of the Russia investigation. Um, and it's one quarter corner that never led anywhere anyway. So walk us through what the Alpha Bank shit and the Carter Page stuff actually affected and then which parts of the Mueller investigation and the Russia investigation it had nothing to do with. Sure. Well, I, I think what they affected, the, the steel material was integral to a lot of the stuff in the investigation on Carter Page. Um, it was not, and, and so to the extent, and, and Alpha Bank was almost a one-off. That was like a, a project of an allegation that came in um, go look at it. There's some, you know, connection there to the dossier as well. Go look at it and figure out what to make of this technical data. And can those you, two wait, things. Can you just really quickly explain what Alpha Bank is? Yeah. So it was again my understanding, and I was not a different like our cyber guys handled looking at that and, and kind of teasing out the what it meant or didn't mean. Essentially, there was information through DNS records that a email server with some association to the Trump domain had contact, you know, not necessarily like email flow, but like DNS lookup type information with a, I believe a server, but maybe not a server, but an entity connected online with Alpha Bank. And it was right. posited that this might represent a covert communications channel between Trump and Russia. And so, okay. again, the point being, but at the end, but it didn't go anywhere. And again, this isn't unusual. When you have a complex investigation, you will have 40 threads, 30 threads going out, and easily a quarter of them are dry holes. They aren't accurate. They don't pan out. You can't pursue them any further. But the notion that, you know, oh, these things, we followed them up and there was nothing we couldn't What do you mean? Like, a, like an investigation anything. like the Durham investigation or like an investigation? No, 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 no. Like, like, the, the, like the Russia investigations, right? Okay. Like the Russia investigation. So when they started out and we had all these characters we were looking at. And then sometimes you get to the end. It's still strange, but you just can't prove it any further. And you certainly can't get to criminal charges. But. These were too discreet and, and small. Like if you talk about the size of the pie, these are two tiny little slices. Again, for Carter Page and his life, it's not a tiny little slice. But in terms Very of the context of what the FBI was looking circumstantial. at. Like, I mean, you get enough circumstantial things, like then you start having, as you said, they're not really dry holes anymore. And there's like a, like a little bit yeah, more of a but, connection. Sure, but there are reasons to do like, look, when, when the allegations like Alpha come in, it is that's what the FBI, the, the, the eye is to investigate, right? I mean, we get information and allegations, we investigate it, and that's there. Oh, you're out to get, no, we're out to do our job. We have to, when their allegations go out and run them to ground, we did the same thing with the Obama administration. We did the same thing with the Clinton administration. We did the same thing with the Bush administration, that just foreign intelligence services are interested in presidential administrations. This isn't a partisan Sure. Proposition that just is. And yeah. so, though, when you get to it, because there were so many issues with the steel information, with the Carter Page FISA, the tendency is for people who are looking for a reason to say, oh, this whole thing was a Russia hoax, to take the problems and say, this is indicative of all of it. Well, Steele didn't predicate the Russia investigations. You know, there were Steele and his, in the dossier, and Igor Danchenko and, and Sussman had nothing to do with George Papadopoulos or Mike Flynn or Paul Manafort, or Roger Stone, or the IRA hackers, or the GRU hackers, or, you know, Vander Wan, or right. whatever the hell his name was, all these people who were investigated and prosecuted, first by the FBI in most of the cases, and then later by special counsel Mueller. And none of that has any relevance to Danchenko and Sussman. But yet you see, you know, for the first time, Mueller is mentioned that Durham brings him up in paragraph five. He talks about special counsel Mueller. And, and again, so it's drawing in because some of those Carter Page Fises were renewed during the conduct of the special counsel's investigation. So again, is so are you that saying relevant? that this is like, it's just a totally like that, that it's just been used as an excuse for a dragnet? Is that like, I mean, more or less like? No, no, I don't think so. I, I, I think it is relevant to point to the fact that the special counsel's investigation was a serious endeavor that the alleged misrepresentation and lies, the false statements by Dan Chinko, were relevant to 
FISAs that were renewed underneath the the sort of you know the the imprimatur of Mueller's activities, even though it was the FBI doing that and the FBI personnel, but to say serious endeavor, these false statements had real impact and real consequence. And so again, to me that is a reasonable thing to do. But when I start reading all this gilding the lily of all these other things of Clinton and everything, I start wondering this it no longer starts to appear to me as just a very and compare and contrast if you have the time pull up the indictments from special counsel Mueller. they sure. don't look like this they're going to be yeah the, so, so they are speaking indictments they're really spare they, they they do speak right i mean he lays out a factual case not only of just the bare bones of establishing the elements of the crime there's more there but it's not like this and i can tell you okay, because so, of like so, personal first-hand knowledge there was in part a deliberate decision to do that to appear absolutely objective and apolitical and not play or not allow yourself to play into one narrative or the other. And I think this indictment and certainly Sussman's indictment allow both sides of the political spectrum to argue that it supports something that it actually doesn't or that it's pointing to something that it actually doesn't. And I think that's a shame. So, okay, and I'm really, I, this, is, this is perhaps a dumb question, but like, it has seemed to me that almost every official investigation in my lifetime, like, I guess mostly I'm thinking of the Star investigation and the ones that we've talked about today, have gone far afield of their original mandate and have like effectively ended up becoming political endeavors. Like, so I guess one of the things I'm wondering is like, I, 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 I completely... I agree with you in everything. Except Mueller, who didn't do that and has been criticized for it. Yes, yes, yes. Fair enough. That's that right. Correct. But what I guess I'm saying is like when you compare this to like the Star investigation, which started with Whitewater and ends with Monica Lewinsky, like what, like what is literal, like why is like it just it almost strikes me as like in a, in a way like, uh, it, it, I, I don't know. I just think that like is this. I guess, is this, are we back to business as usual with investigations? Like, is that like a little bit of like what we're seeing here? I, that's always, I mean, invest, long running investigations will naturally tend to do that. They will take you down paths where you started, where you thought you were going, isn't ending, where you thought you ended up. I totally butchered the grammar of that sentence. You end up frequently in investigations in a place you didn't anticipate when you started. Say it that way. When you put an overlay of somebody who is a special counsel or somebody who is appointed to do a job, there is absolutely, acknowledged or not, a recognition that at the end, you should probably have something to show for your efforts. And if your initial target that you went out to do, and let's remember, it's like, I brought in John Durham to look at the origins of the Crossfire Hurricane investigation, the beginnings of the investigation, because according to the, the Attorney General, William Barr, this was the most you know corrupt undermining of a president in our nation's history and it's horrible and it's bad and it's going to be exposed as such and i never want it to happen again in the nation's history well that clearly didn't pan out and so now again legitimately or not you've gotten to a place where you know there was somebody who provided false information to the fbi that was incorporated into a fisa that achieved and got warrants to you know conduct electronic surveillance of the u.s person and that's in my opinion again if accurate as alleged, a false statement worthy of prosecuting. But it's not the core of what it's not the core. Of it's not even no. close to I, it. And so again, this is, is my that, entire. You know, this is my entire shtick with one thousand and one. Anyway, like this is like always. It's like some type of fucking consolation prize. Like I don't know. But this is look. This is again. I think as alleged, this is a legitimate charge. It's just one option would have been. What did you see? Robert Mueller do. You saw Robert Mueller kick off spin-off prosecutions of like Bijan Rafikian, this knucklehead who was involved with Flynn and drafting and doing work for Turkey. There are ways you can either and again, this there are any number of reasons that none of us outside of that circle of people deciding know why you want to stay and continue to do it yourself, why you just don't spin it off to the local US Attorney's Office and let them prosecute, but where they've landed particularly in the context of what the, at least as I read it, the underlying sort of movement of this 
you know, sh huge ship in the background seems mm. to be an idea that there was this great democratic Hillary Clinton based conspiracy to feed multiple types of bad information to the FBI and enlisted the assistance, unwitting assistance of the FBI to discredit and undermine Trump's um, presidency. And I just don't see that. Yeah, though there is, I would add, a uh, a little bit of a, a minor embarrassing paragraph for uh, Durham toward that, if, if he's trying to advance that thesis where he uh, basically admits, I don't have it in front of me, that the Hillary Clinton campaign did not direct and was unaware of these activities. Um, I, I, I think he so, says that PR public relations official once said that, I think is what exactly. he puts in there. Uh, all right. So before we go to audience questions, and I want to leave time for audience questions, I, I just want to flesh out this point that you made about it being serious, but not central. And so let's concede at the outset. Uh, and I, I really, you've said this, and I really agree that if these allegations are true, it is a case that a, a, a a traditional case of the sort that the Justice Department typically prosecutes and that the just the FBI insists that the Justice Department prosecutes, because if there's one thing the FBI will follow you to the ends of the earth about, it is lying to the FBI. Um, and uh, there there is no greater sin in the minds of the average uh, FBI special agent than uh, causing a false statement to be recorded in a three FBI 302. I'm not asking you to agree with that, Pete. I'm just uh, taking your silence as assent. Um, uh, that said, I'm trying to imagine how the world would be different uh, if, you know, Igor Danchenko had told the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Um, and so can we agree that life would have been easier for Carter Page, right? He 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 may or may not have had well, I, a, a FISA application against him uh, or the surveillance resulting from it. I don't know. And I want to be careful because Carter Page has sued like 12 of us or some number of over. Yes, Carter Page has FISA. pending litigation but against our I, You know, look, I, I would say this, I you know, the FBI surveils all kinds of people. The vast majority of them, that never becomes public. Um, so again, the job of the FBI is to investigate. And I'll defend that till the end of my days. And, you know, it's also incumbent for those investigations to remain confidential. So certainly not I don't the know. I don't know that NCAA. I would agree that. I, and I think I've said this before, maybe on the show. I, I do believe that absent the steel material, there was or would have been sufficient probable cause to get a at least a FISA initiation. Again, the weird thing is I would never say that, but the government has declassified so much of the applications and the process around that. Um, I think that's fair to say, you know, that in my experience, I think that would have occurred. I don't know and wouldn't want to speculate about renewals. Um, but again, to the point of these Danchenko and the steel material was absolutely relevant in the context of the Carter Page investigation. All right, so we can say that the Carter Page FISA application uh, would have been more complicated and the renewals would certainly have been more complicated had Danchenko been entirely truthful, assuming he was not. They would have looked different. Uh, okay, and part of the Russia investigation depended on the Carter Page FISA for its, you know, ha imagine the Carter Page FISA investigation, had, FISA surveillance had never happened. How many words of the Mueller report would have been different? Very few. I don't know what he devotes to Carter Page, but it's all, it's de minimis. You know, and another thing, it, I was iterating so, so, out all the so, things. So that, wait, the... One, one small point. When I iterated all the things that Danchenko and Sussman had nothing to do with, they had nothing to do with volume two of the Mueller report. So yeah, yeah. all those so, acts so, so, of obstruction 
that I'm curious because Trump couldn't be, you know, per almost opinion prosecuted while he was in office. He's not in office anymore. So I'm curious what, you know, what, what's going on with that. But um, okay, anyway, so, just wanted so, to drop that in there. So Carter Page FISA uh, doesn't happen. The Mueller report is still the same report, right? Minus, right. Yeah. Minus, minus like a, a page a and a half two. about Carter Page. That's right. Um, all right. Let's talk about a few specific individuals. George Papadopoulos pleaded guilty uh, to making false statements uh, to the FBI about the origins, about, about the uh, circumstances in which the uh, he met a certain professor that led to the beginning of the Mueller investigation. Would that have been affected had uh uh mr danchenko told the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth no no i can't think of any case other than uh, how about paul manafort no how about rick gates nope uh the famous michael flynn who's been out today apparently would his case have been materially affected not at all what's he doing today that's very exciting uh, what about uh, the Troll Farm case, the, the Internet Research Agency? Would that have been different? Not a bit. Uh, uh, so he was never prosecuted, but he was indicted. The famous other KK, the con- the one who's not Kate Klonick, but Constantine Kalimnik, who is, by the way, Kate, also known as KK. I got to like, you should have told me that beforehand. I told you that. I've, that was my I've, nickname. I've told you that a few times, actually, and you okay. respond with shock every time. Okay. Uh, what, what, what about KK? No. Okay. Uh, what about the 12 Russian uh, uh, military intelligence officers who were accused of the hacking and dumping operation? No, none of them. No, that wouldn't none have been them. affected by this. What about yeah. Michael Cohen? Nope. Roger Michael Stone? Cohen. No, not Roger Stone. Okay, so not 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 Lev Parnas, not Igor Fruman, not not. What about even... the Richard Nixon tattoo on Roger Stone's back? That would have disturbed. I'm waiting for that to be indicted on its way own. Way worse than dog shirts. All right, so <laughs> can, can we say that this is a case that the Justice Department, in the regular course of business, would normally bring, and? It is not inconsequential. Nobody, nobody's arguing it's trivial, but that it in no way implicates the larger Russia investigation as as the far right describes a hoax. Yeah, that's absolutely accurate. And that, again, that is the aggravating part when you read some of the more inflammatory or non-central things that are in these two indictments, they are universally designed to fan that narrative. They're not tampering. There now. is an effort to rewrite history it's, it's, going it's, on here. It's, there's, there's a feeding of this extreme narrative, deliberate or not, that when you get this sort of extraneous detail about the machinations in the Democratic campaigns or the Hillary Clinton campaign, that it feeds into this narrative that there, this is the kind of some story of the Russian investigations where it's clearly not. All right. Um, I am uh, discriminating wildly in my choice of audience questions today based on questions that I would have asked. Um, uh, and uh, uh, so I'm letting the audience channel me. Hence, our first two questions are from Paula and Charles. Uh, Paula. You showed up on screen first, though I asked Charles on first, so you go first. Okay, um, so my question is, what is the liability for the other actors who didn't lie? Um, and I know you alluded to this, like, you know, making a political political oppo isn't new, although I feel like, you know, putting in the newspaper that someone's having an affair versus putting out information that the FBI is using is quite different, and I don't think the DNC is that stupid. I don't think that they thought that they were getting such high quality info. But again, I don't know what the level of knowledge you need um, to have, or I don't know, like stupidity um, for hiring someone, whether it be Fusion GPS, you need for liability. So this is a super important question and I wanna refine it just a little bit. Um, no. 
I, Paula, this is where the host gets to mute the audience member and dismiss her from the screen and then refine her question. Um, so there are a bunch of other actors who are implicated here. One is Chris Steele himself. Uh, one is uh, the DNC or the Clinton campaign, which hires them. There's the PR executive, right? There's um, uh, a bunch of uh, a bunch of people, and you know, one thing that you gotta wonder about is whether Durham is thinking about some kind of a conspiracy indictment to defraud the United States that involves a much wider array of people. Uh, Igor Denchenko is somebody that most people have never heard of. Do you think he's the final act here or is he, um, uh, or, or is there a, is the idea that this theory is building towards something larger? I, I don't know. I think like any time, like, look, there, there's, if you go in there again, I'm not, I have read who I believe to be the actual um, identity of whatever they call it, public relations executive, PR executive one. In the indictment, there's a paragraph that lays out such granular biographical detail about him. It's not, they could have said if the point was to say, hey, he's been affiliated with Democrats and Democratic um, political campaigns and other entities, they could have said it just like that. But they lay out in very specific biographical detail, more than enough for an informed observer or researcher to go and figure out exactly who it is, which has been done. And, you know, his name's out there and I'm not going to talk about it. Same thing for whatever they call the, the Russian former head of the Chamber of Commerce very easy to figure out who it is. So if you're a private citizen, there's a little bit of an aspect of like, okay, if you're not going to charge me, but then you're putting enough information in here in your indictment that everybody's going to go out there and start throwing my name around and speculating about me, well, you're doing damage to my reputation. So if the goal of that is ultimately to get there and charge them as some part of a broader conspiracy, fine. But if you're not going to do it, it's a little bit irresponsible. I, again, have always been told, you know, yeah, sometimes you write things to dirty up the person you're charging, but when you start dirtying up third parties, that's kind of, in my experience with prosecutors, always frowned upon, even when they're like guys we didn't like, like, you know, we're charging this guy, but we don't like him. Let's say something nasty. No, we're not going to do it. We're, you know, you, you don't do that. So again, to your question, Ben, I don't, I, my gut sense is, I don't think this is it. I don't, you know, for all the people on Twitter sending me pictures of John Durham looking through the peephole and you know, I'm not at all in the slightest worried about, you know, anybody, me or anybody that I worked with facing any criminal exposure whatsoever. Might there be other people involved in this conspiracy outside of the government? Maybe, but conspiracies are hard. If, if you were concerned about criminal liability, hard. would you be on in lieu of fun? No, I, I, in fact, would not be on lieu of fun. And, you know, for all your audience doesn't know, I might be on a you know, shackled on my feet, my arms free, and this is really a fake backdrop on the plane to Guantanamo as we speak. And who, who's to, who's to act? Who's to know, Ben? Yeah. But um, I, I, my sense is that there might be more there. But again, conspiracies are difficult, are, are challenging cases to actually establish the evidentiary level you need to demonstrate and prove up a conspiracy is significant. So if that's where he's heading. Maybe he's got a bunch of really incriminating evidence that we haven't seen. And, you know, all the people are saying, oh, he's starting at the bottom and working up. Maybe I highly doubt it, but I don't know that this is all of it. But I don't I am not I have no belief that it is going to end in indictments and arrests of me, anybody in the FBI, anybody in the U.S. government, you know, Hillary Clinton, her immediate staff. I, I, I don't truly have any belief that that is ever ever going to happen can i ask a question how is it going to end and when like when is this just going to be over <laughs> like... that's a great question i would like i mean i i think that is a great question and there's a reasonable you know again this is a, a reasonable prosecution so you know from what mayor garland said i think during his senate judiciary um hearing or maybe it was h house but i think it was sjc it that was he senate. said essentially like you can assume that it, his budget was renewed. He kind of said yes without saying yes. So to the extent, 
you know, I don't know, it doesn't have to be renewed on an annual basis. As far as I know, I took it to mean that, you know, he's going to run out the, the work until it's done. But again, you can, I, given, given a complex investigation, I know I could investigate if I wanted to and for decades. And that's always the other thing is to sit there and say something again, comparing, contrasting director Mueller was very specific. And as was Rod Rosenstein, you're, mandate is narrow stay focused on your mandate don't go chasing things that come up if they come Waterfall. up and spin them off to university to, to to u.s attorney offices stay focused on your appointment order and don't start running down all these rabbit holes this is kind of starting to feel like a rabbit hole um and that doesn't again doesn't mean it's not a legitimate prosecution but it does make me start to say you know again also in the context of the last we don't have answers to the counterintelligence threat that was posed by Donald Trump. We don't have answers to whether or not he committed obstruction in a way that he might be prosecuted for. We don't have a lot of answers for really bad behavior that occurred in 2016, 17, 18, 19. But we sure as hell still have a damn special counsel who continues to be looking at the investigators or people now related to the investigators who are providing information to them that is going gangbusters full steam ahead. And in terms of the priorities of the Department of Justice, I do have some question about whether or not those are appropriately ranked and resourced. Having said that, I mean, A.G. Garland's in an impossible position. He can't stop, you know, in a in a reasonable way, what, you know, kind of the work of what Durham's doing right now. So, you know, I think he needs to, he, he's in a place where he has to let it run uh, until it's in, but I would hope I mean, if we're still having this conversation next summer, I mean, God help us. Uh, so I would hope, you know, we see some sort of resolution, some sort of report, whatever that looks like in, you know, the next three to six months. But I have no idea. Charles T., you get the last question today. I guess my question is, do you think the Danchenko indictment has the potential to have the, a similar chilling effect on how the FBI recruits and handles confidential human sources that the Sussman indictment you know, did, or you think the assessment indictment may have as far as the FBI conducting counterintelligence activities? I I do. And I think every, every one of these is a balancing test. I think this is a much more legitimate, in my mind, the balance here is, is easier for me to make an argument that Danchenko was appropriately charged as alleged, at least. I, you know, I have some concern that, you know, it, it starts talking about his, you know, people he was talking to and their subsources. And, you know, any time at the end of the day, you know, it is when the FBI, when you rely on somebody talking to you and you're sitting there trying to tell them, look, because I don't know how many people I tell you this, but it, it can't get out. Yeah, of course, it'll never get out. Well, stuff is getting out. So that doesn't there there is a beneficial government goal in having sources not lie to the FBI. There is a beneficial government goal in having people knowing and seeing as a deterrent effect that if I go in there and I, you know, make stuff up and cause the FBI to do things because of a lie that I'm breaking the law, that that has a beneficial effect. But it also, you know, again, to the to the point I made in the article I wrote for, for Lawfare for, for um, it, it most sources, again, confidential human sources on the way to source who walks into a general counsel's office aren't always forthright, usually aren't forthright completely. And that's the, that's the norm. That's usual. That's not, it, it is not unusual at all. So I think you have to be very careful when you do start charging it. It doesn't mean they're immune from, you know, that they get away with lying um, or they can't be, you know, uh, or shouldn't be sanctioned. And I think in Danchenko's case, I, I, I agree that he should, um, but I do think it's something that should be approached very um, thoughtfully and carefully. And I don't know that Sussman was from what I've seen. We are going to leave it there. Pete Strzok, you're a great American, uh, even <laughs> though you. you will not don a dog shirt. Never. Um, not not unless seen... the price. A, a fundraiser like of even sufficient like make eye contact a fundraiser for a good cause of sufficient size. Uh, you know, we've given you a couple weeks to think about Ooh. this. So what is the amount that pull, the in lieu of pull, fun audience pull. would have what to raise it? for what charity to make you don a dog shirt yes. and uh, tell uh, and, and play 
uh, where's the lie? No, I don't want to make him play where's the lie. I, I do. do actually much. feel like that really compromises him like, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, but I do want the dog shirt. How about an much. ask me anything or ask me some things with Pete and a dog shirt for charity? No, no, no. We got It's got to be where's the lie. How much money for what charity? Oh, God, a lot. And there's several <laughs> many quality charities, especially in this day and age. We're heading into the winter and food banks and such that, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. So I, I have no... Notice that I don't have the name of a charity or a sum of money. Mm-hmm. Do we um, get to pick the dog shirt? Oh, yes. <gasps> <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, dear. But uh, we will be back tomorrow. Um uh 22 hours and 59 minutes from now it will be cheese night there will be cheese there may be luke you never know there'll be wine it'll be just us uh and uh until then kate we don't have fun anymore but we still have materialized the fbi and non-materialized the FBI, and the which, FBI which count as material? Investi- yes, exactly. Which count as material? Just don't lie and, to the FBI. Don't, don't lie to the FBI. Don't, don't talk don't. to them at all if you can avoid it. <laughs> no like, talk. That's obstruction. That's legal advice. Talk <laughs> the truth. Call your lawyer. Um, <laughs> we'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>